Hi, welcome to Solved by Science, NBN Science and Tech podcast, where we answer all of the questions that keep you up at night. I'm your host for today, Ryan. I am the opinion editor at North by Northwestern, and I am really excited to be talking about bees. I've only been stung once, and I enjoy honey enough where this should be fun. And I'm Sophia. I was on the podcast last time, and I'm here because... I also like bees, and I want to hear all of Ryan's fun facts about them. Alrighty, so we're going to just jump right into it. And what really inspired me to look into bees was, one, it's spring, and two, I was staying up late at night working on a midterm, and instead of studying, I had this thought, who was the crazy individual or group that just decided, you know what, I'm going to run up to the nearest beehive, which is full of thousands of thousands of deadly stinging bees, and I'm just going to crack it open and take the honey out and eat it. That was something that, unfortunately, science has not had the conclusive answer to. In other cases, such as with really any other plant, we figure out that, I guess, a lot of nomadic people didn't really make it because they tried something they shouldn't have, and that was really, over the course of thousands and thousands of years, basically lots of trial and error to figure out which plants are edible and which plants are not, and it is likely that the same thing happened with bees and honey. And so I'm sure a lot of people got stung to get to where we are now, but it all worked out. So what I'm hearing is that this is something that's unsolved, so if you need a research project, this could be a question. I'll apply for the summer research grant next year. Who was the first person to eat honey out of a beehive? Let's find out. Yeah, no, we'll go around the United States, go around the world, really, just with a stick, whack some beehives, and survive. Do you know, do you know how many types of bees there are? There are about 20,000 species of bees. That's insane. And... Not all of them produce honey. Actually, a very small minority do. It is less than 10. And so, when you think about it, we are pretty lucky to have chosen the right beehive to have been like, oh, instead of the thousands of other bees, we're going to smack this particular beehive and get honey out of it. Of course, there are other ways that we could have figured it out, like bears. Another animal that might have guided the early humans to honey might have been called, aptly named, the honey guide. What it would do is it would guide humans to the beehive, and the humans would smoke it out and then open it, and after the hive had been exposed, it would go for the beeswax. And so... At some point, the honey guides have been shown in some species to guide humans to the beehives for that purpose. So both humans and birds working together to get honey and other products from the beehive. So that is another way that early humans were able to kind of acquire honey and do it in a way where it wasn't all where it wasn't us working for everything. Other animals were joining us too. So, birds, helpful. I didn't know that. That's really cool. I do have a fun bee fact. There's this type of bee, so as you mentioned, thousands of bees, and I'm pretty sure this is one of the ones that don't 
make honey, but there's this Australian bee. It's the Australian stingless bee, the scientific name. I'm probably going to screw this up. Tetragonula carbonaria. So they build beehives in spirals, and they're called brood combs, and they can have like 10 to 20 layers, and scientists also have no idea why we do this, or they do this. So, like, I feel like bees are just a mystery. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the way they build a different type of beehive, because because in other species, especially spiders, if you give them different drugs, they will make different webs out of that. That is a crazy tangent, but I remember growing up, I was a very big fan of spiders. I am now, I hate spiders. I don't know how I'm going to survive next year in an apartment because my roommate also hates spiders. But back in the day, I learned that if you gave spiders, I don't know what scientists got funded for this, but if you gave spiders different drugs, they will spin different webs based on the drug that they were given. So... I guess, to bring it back to bees themselves, in addition to being absolutely delicious, honey is really helpful across a variety of products that we use every day, and even in medicinal stuff. So there is research going on right now about antibiotics that could be made from the components of honey, because as many of you may know, if you make honey the right way with not enough water in it, it is actually able to be stored and edible for thousands of years and so people have gone into ancient ruins especially in Egypt and lo and behold the pharaoh or the rich individual was buried with honey and that honey is still edible. Do you think people do eat that honey? I think people do. There's also a risk though because there is such a thing as mad honey disease. This happens usually nowadays it's done in the black sea part of turkey where people will take honey that has been made from a certain plant that causes you to have hallucinations and really just become they call it honey intoxication that is such a weird concept and they do it for like medicinal purposes they also do it for like different cultural events so, whereas we, you know, may drink beer or two at a party. Just have some honey. Just have some honey and happy trails. <laughs> totally another tangent, but you said mad honey, and that reminded me of this idea that my friend Zach Miller had. He called it bad honey. Hmm. There was, like, this prompt to invent a candy, so he was like, honey, but with Skittles and other gross candy things in it. And that sounds bad, but... So, like, a Skittle, but it's, like, a filling of honey? I don't know. I think he imagined, like a bunch of honey with maybe those smarties but i don't know like more things inside the honey i don't really know how you'd eat it like soup i don't want to ask that's fair growing up i had really this idea that honey was something i shouldn't have been eating around the house because it was in a cabinet and it was amongst all the spices and i was like oh really shouldn't be having this so every so often i would kind of sneak into the cabinet grab some and like pull out a giant ladle of a spoon and just like create perfectly symmetrical like flat surface of honey and then spend the next like 20 to 30 minutes just like sucking on it (laughs) and just hanging out and that just reminded me of that crazy stuff with honey if you want to talk more about bees drugs honey drugs this is more about bees and drugs bees are also affected like people by caffeine and cocaine. So caffeine does make bees work better, and scientists at Newcastle University discovered that if there's nectar with caffeine in it, it helps bees remember where the flower is, 
So, you know, drink coffee helps with memory. I don't know if that applies to humans, but if it does, I should remember a lot more things than I actually do. And also, cocaine. Cocaine makes bees over-exaggerate their communication, so when they tell other bees where to get nectar or pollen, they do this kind of dance, and then it just makes them exaggerate that dance, so they just hype up the quality of the food too much, and they trick other bees because they are, I guess, high on cocaine, and they also exhibit symptoms of withdrawal. In addition to that, bees, or the honey that bees make, as is probably not a shock. Super, super sugary, just 95% sugar. But what anthropologists have found is that the odds are that, that bees and honey are what allowed humans to evolve in the way that we have. Seriously? Seriously. Wait, how? Basically, for every teaspoon, I believe it's about 200 calories of honey. And so... It's really filling. It's mostly sugar, so there's no, like, fat, fiber, or anything else. But if you're able to just consume massive amounts of calories, and you're able to do it in this really, like, quick, efficient way, especially when you have birds helping you, and at this point in, like, history, we didn't have, like, colony collapse disorder, which is where bees have been dying out by, like, the millions just because... For some reason, they leave the hive and they never come back. And so the hive ultimately just kind of collapses in on itself. But at the time, honey guides would be able to make a semi-permanent way of living and add some additional ways for humans in addition to hunting and gathering and eventually kind of like early Neolithic stuff where they would be planting, but what they would plant would be really not like today. So corn would be, like, tiny little edible pieces and everything else was just the stalk. It's like teosinte. I think that's what it's called. I just remember in AP Bio, we had a big problem thing about early corn, and that's what I remember from the class. Sorry. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, no, it's that exact idea. So honey may have been the reason why we were successful. So I should just, if I don't have time to go to the dining hall, just eat some honey and call it a day. It's pretty much it. I heard somewhere that you can live only on honey. Is that true? Probably wouldn't be a nice existence. I am not too sure about that. So we did some quick Googling, and it turns out you can't live on only honey. That's too bad. Yeah, I I don't think I would want to live a life of just honey, but just to know it's possible would have been cool. While we were doing our casual search, we also found out that honeybees will go to battle against other species. In particular, the Japanese giant hornet. That's so funny and so badass, and we're going to link this video down in the transcript, so definitely watch, because if you haven't seen bees versus Japanese giant hornets, wow, you're missing out. So bee sting therapy is a thing, and it does actually, at least in a clinical study, work. So that would be terrifying if I needed like oh your doctor kind of comes in with like a jar of bees and is like i know what'll cure you them into the wild. right like it's real simple we just have to sting you like 50 times and your pain will go away i i don't know how i'd feel about that but if this is the future of medicine i'm just gonna die yeah i i guess it's over on that note i think that's all the time we have for today so we're gonna wrap up 
All of our references are linked down in the transcript, so check that down below. Our intro and outro music is Eve by D. Yankee, which is under our Creative Commons Attributions License. I'm Sophia. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This is NBN Audio.